Broadcasting from the beautiful Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. Indeed, it is the beautiful Hill Country, and we're back here live with you. It is noon, Central Time, OneRadioNetwork.com. We're about 45 miles west of Looney Tunes in Austin, Texas, so we're safe and sound and and uh, looking for a generator just in case the boys get crazy this winter. But be that as it may, John Rabino is here. John's a good guy, and his uh, website is dollarcollapse.com. He's written a lot of great books over the years, uh, and uh, he uh, co-authored a book with James Turk called The Money Bubble and uh, in 2014, and The Collapse of the Dollar and How to Profit from It early on in 2007. And um, John, welcome. Nice to have you. It's been, been a while. Thanks for coming on the show. Hey, Patrick. Yeah, it has been a while. Hey, we, we just bought a generator, too, speaking of... Oh, really? Preppy. Okay, so, <laughs> so give me some hints there, because we've been talking to our yeah, well, listeners about it. Yeah. Um, how do you do that? Well, it's a, it's a funny story. My, my wife and I decided, you know, it, it's getting towards um, power outage season where we are. And so we'll get a, a generator. And so she started looking around online and saw out of, out of stock, out of stock, out of stock for all the generators she liked. So she just kind of panic bought one. She just grabbed one that was available without even bouncing it off me or anything because uh, um, she, she realized that they're hard to get right now, you know, and, and that is kind of um, the, the broader world in a microcosm. You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people are out there kind of uh, wondering if they should just stock up on all the stuff that they, um, right. they need because all the world's supply chains are so screwed up. Boy, they really are. We've been looking at it, and as you know, probably better than I, I don't know, what are the 65 or so containers on the West Coast? There's thousands of, uh, of containers sitting there at L.A. and in uh, uh, Long Beach because uh, Mussolini, in his infinite wisdom, put some kind of a thing in there with the truckers, and they had, did you, have you seen that? Why the truckers aren't I even picking that. it up? It's like crazy. <laughs> it's like, what are these guys even thinking, man? So the supply chain this winter, we've been talking about with our listeners, I think there's a good chance. I mean, it's already seen it. I'm seeing it in my local food store. There are empty shelves already, John Rubino. Yeah, yeah. Um, pretty much every supply chain out there is messed up in one way or another, whether it's food or energy or microchips or you name it. There's something getting in the way of whoever's making something actually making as many as they need to satisfy the orders that they have. So, yeah, it's a it's a mess. And, um, you know, mo- most of your listeners are, are way too young to remember the 1970s. I remember but, uh, it would be a good thing to. Yeah, I, I remember it. Too. <laughs> but, uh, <laughs> yeah. but most people don't. You know, most people who are um, alive and paying attention now are too young for that. And. And it would be a good thing to go back and study, actually, because we're we're in a time that's very similar to that decade. You have um, geopolitical issues where Vietnam was a lot like Afghanistan, you know, a, a messy war that uh, that we got out of in a really humiliating way. And we had a rising power, Soviet Union back then, China now, and, and uh, energy crisis and inflation and, mm. and supply chain issues. And, and that was a, a decade of absolute financial and political chaos. And it does feel like we're heading back into something like that, but with much worse numbers. In other words, the mm. debts we've taken on since then make us a lot more financially fragile than we were back then. And uh, it, so it's not clear how we fix 
these problems using the tools that we had to fix the 1970s problems. We can't do what we did back then again. So how do we get out of this? And there's no clear answer. For that, yeah, I mean, it's terrifying. It doesn't seem like there's any way out except to just continue to let the Fed create more money and we borrow that money from them, which obviously doesn't make sense, but don't get me started. Um, what else are they going to do, John Rubino? I mean, they're not, well, gonna, you know, they're not okay. going to wake up and, and, and look at and see the light and say, let's get real, are they? No, they can't. Because, well, to, to fix the inflation of the 1970s, we raised interest rates to 16 to 20%, which interest rate you're talking about. And we, we absolutely can't do that now because so much debt um, out there depends on the level of interest rates. In other words, it's variable rate debt. And if interest rates go up, it bankrupts huge sections of, of global society. And, um, you know, were that to start happening now, you would see governments going bankrupt and big companies going bankrupt and, and individuals, of course, going bankrupt, and you'd have this global financial catastrophe. So okay. we don't have that tool anymore. Let's unpack that a bit, because I'm curious. So we have, what, $30 trillion in bonded debt, probably more, but they're, they're cooking the books and the numbers. I don't see it going up, and it's got to be going up. But anyway... Let's say we got $30 trillion in bonded debt and the interest rate's like 0.25 or something. How does the interest rates affect the people that's already loaned us money? I mean, their interest rate doesn't change, so I didn't quite understand what you said. Help me. Okay, so say you've, um, you've got a, an adjustable rate mortgage. Oh, adjustable rate. That goes up with interest rates. and say, Or say you're a government that has borrowed a bunch of money short term. Short. And you have to roll that over. So say next year, the U.S. government has maybe $3 trillion that has to be rolled over because its debt is that's coming due. And it has to pay the new higher interest rates if interest rates are going up. So that means their interest costs go through the roof. Or if you're a, a company with the same situation, you know, lots of people have debts. Roll it over. That are in one way or another. Yeah, that have to be rolled over or that adjust. You know, if you have a, a prime plus one business loan, the prime rate goes up your business loan rate goes up uh, and spread that out all over the world or in the derivatives market where you've got interest rate swaps, which, you know, there's no need for me to explain that except to say that it's a kind of financial bet that depends on interest rates. And um, lots of people will be bankrupted if interest rates go up. Uh, so wherever you look, you've got financial fragility. Uh, in other words, people who are going to be hurt by us trying to fix today's problems. So we really can't fix today's problems without blowing up the world. Um, and the, the big psychological phase comes when people realize that, when they figure out that, okay, we've got this stuff going on, but there's no adult supervision. You know, daddy's not going to come home and take care of this for us because nobody can fix this. Well, And well, then everybody panics. So why doesn't uh, the Treasury just borrow more long-term rather than short-term? Well, the reason they, they aren't doing it now is because long-term interest rates are higher than short-term interest rates. Ah, okay. So they have to pay more to borrow for 30 years. Uh, they pay for essentially zero to pay or to borrow money short-term. Right. But they might have to pay 2% to borrow for 30 years. Which is a big deal. So they're taking the easy way out. Well, hmm. in with these kinds of numbers, it is a very big yeah, deal. Trillions. Uh, so they're, they're taking the, you know, the lazy person's way out and just borrowing short-term and rolling it over year after year, you know, it, on the assumption that they can always control short-term interest rates. 
Um, but let that change, you know, let them be required to raise short term interest rates to stop inflation from spiraling out of control. And all of a sudden, the government goes bankrupt. You yeah. know, there, there are stats about uh, um, what it costs the US government for each point higher in rates and what would happen to Japan's government Huge, if they had right? to pay just what the US has to pay. Yeah. Well, would bankrupt Japan if they, the government just had to pay what the US government has to pay? No. Um, they would literally um, have to pay more out in interest than they take in in tax revenue. So they would, you know, obviously go bankrupt and, you know, spread that out around, around the world. There are lots of other entities in that kind of a situation. And uh, w once the dominoes start falling, then we would have an even bigger problem that we can't fix. <laughs> could get really ugly. And we're kind of headed for that. Yeah. Really? We're talking with John Rubino. His website is dollarcollapse.com. And I want you to tell us all about your website and what people can find there when they go there. And uh, this is Patrick Timpone. It is October 20, 2021. If you'd like to be on the show, Patrick at OneRadioNetwork.com or 888-663-6386. So in the 70s, I remember that when uh, uh, Nixon took the dollar off the gold standard, uh, I think the Saudis and the rest of them said, we don't want your stinking dollars. And that's what caused the gas lines. Of course, they told us something else, right? They told us that the, the people producing oil were just bad people and they didn't want to sell. I don't know what they told us. But then they were able to raise the interest rates during the Jimmy Carter years when gold went from, what, 35 or 50 bucks to 850. How were they able to raise it all that way up to about 15% by 1980? How were they able to get away with that? Well, they felt like they had no choice mm. um, but to raise interest rates. So they just went ahead and did it. And, but we hadn't borrowed very much money back then. Uh -huh. We were actually in pretty good financial shape. Mm. So the rising interest rates didn't blow up the world the way it would now because most people were, were not overly indebted. They didn't have adjustable rate debts. Um, so it hurt them. Like it hurt the real market pretty badly because mortgage rates, you know, they're probably 16% written during that time. So fewer and fewer people could buy houses and um, home prices didn't tank, but they stopped going up and people couldn't buy houses and realtors got laid off and construction workers got laid off. So it hurt that sector of the economy, but it didn't blow up other big sections of the economy. We did end up having a really bad recession in um, 1981, 1982. Sure. Mm -hmm. so, but, but it was nothing compared to what we'll have now. Not, like it wasn't as bad as the Great Recession of uh, uh, 2008, 2009. And it won't be anything like what comes next. You know, the <laughs> next crash will be much, much bigger because we didn't learn the lesson of even 2008, 2009. We, don't we have didn't it. get our financial house in order after that. We just kept on borrowing more money. So massive and inflation more during Jimmy that. Carter in the 70s when gold went off had this huge hit and interest rates gradually went up. Is this inflation we're going to be seeing and already are seeing now, John Rubino, a more similar it's going to be inflation. Well, it's it's similar. It's similar to what we saw back then. Prices started to go up, and the energy market was in turmoil. You know, we had gas lines. You had to sure. wait in line at the gas station to get gas, and and we're seeing that in some parts of the world now. But um, we're seeing potentially more serious um, changes in the energy market beyond oil. You know, it's not oil this time, although oil is up. But um, 
natural gas is up way more than oil is. Yeah. So even coal prices are way up, which means electricity gets more expensive oh. next year. So it won't necessarily, you know, you'll be able to put gas in your car, but you may not be able to heat your house this winter. And, and I think potentially that's a much bigger deal. Uh, they're talking about, um, what was the term in a headline just lately? Armageddon in the propane market. Oh, good. <laughs> so, you know, if you've got a propane stove or whatever, or uh, you may not be able to get the gas that you need to heat, heat your house or cook or whatever. I mean, there could actually and be a so shortage so you couldn't like get it, not necessarily high prices. Why would there be a shortage, though, just because uh, of inflation? Uh, why, why would there be a shortage? Well, because... Because people panic buy. Uh -huh. you know, when they start seeing prices going up, they think, oh, my God, I better buy two years worth of this stuff I so I don't have to pay way more out for it later. And it, it takes everything off the shelves. You know, remember during the uh, pandemic when you'd go to Costco and they would say, OK, there's no toilet paper or you can only have one right. container, you know, right. toilet, yeah. stuff like that, only more broad based, more more widespread. So that seems to be coming for a variety of reasons. And that leads to higher prices when people panic buy. So it's kind of a self-fulfilling prophecy. And again, the, the, the important thing to understand is we don't have the tools to fix it this time. Right. So whatever we just happens, have nothing. It's yes. just going to happen. You know, it's just going <laughs> to run its course. So, so what you're talking about is money velocity, which is important with inflation, right? It's not just you know the expansion of the monetary system, but it's the velocity of money. And people tend to buy more stuff when they know it's going up, which is, as you say, drives inflation even higher. When you know what else they do, which is why this is such a dysfunctioning feedback or dysfunctional feedback loop, is they tend to borrow more money too, right? Because oh, if you think the currency is going to be worth less, what's the logical thing to do? Borrow a ton of money and pay that loan back in ever depreciating right. currency. So. A, a debt-driven inflation, which is what we have right now, you know, there's too much debt out there, actually leads to an increase in the amount of debt that people are taking on. People borrow even more money um, in a situation like that. So, again, you get these feedback loops that make things worse and worse without any real obvious end in sight. And I'm afraid the end this time will be actually deflationary, where interest rates spike and and that makes stocks unattractive and houses unattractive. And nobody wants bonds. And so you get a big crash in financial asset prices, which, um, you know, it looks like 2008, 2009, only much more serious. You know, stocks go down even further. Bonds just get crushed. Um, your house. Of what it uh, what it was when you bought it, and should you just put the keys back in the mailbox, you know, and, and leave, you know, what should you do? Uh, that's the kind of thing that a lot of people are going to be facing. And again, no good answer for any of this. There's no no good answer. So, if somebody has sitting on some property that they believe is real valuable, that is today, is there a chance even in places like Texas where the markets are just so hot because everybody's moving here that? the price could actually go down in three years? Well, let's say mortgage rates go to 10%. Right. Um, how many Texans could afford to buy the average price Texan house right ah, now hmm. if they had to pay a 10% mortgage, right? Because that that would effectively double the cost of the Oh, house that's the problem. In, in terms of finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And so you're just priced out of stuff that you would normally have borrowed to buy in the past. Even Ooh. if the price doesn't go up, um, the cost goes up because your interest charges go way up. 
And that's what we would see if inflation spikes and that leads people to, you know, lenders then demand a higher interest rate when they're lending you money, right? Because you're going to pay them back in less valuable dollars. So they need a higher interest rate to compensate for that. Um, and so they charge more, you know, mortgage rates. We In the 70s, we had much higher than 10% mortgage rates. Oh, yeah, it was like 15, uh, wasn't and, it, at some point? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And car loans are going to be crazy pretty soon. And, and uh, hmm. normally what that does is it leads to a big drop in people trying to buy those things, which leads to a big drop in the price of those things. So you inflation leads to deflation, to falling prices and, at some point. But it's a really brutal cycle. Yeah, and John, could this all happen even without the Fed doing something? This could all be market-driven interest rates going oh. up because Wells Fargo raises their, or whatever? Completely, yeah. Wow. Because yeah, the, the Fed really, um, you know, they control short-term interest rates. So they could raise the overnight rate on money. But they, they have more trouble controlling longer-term rates because that's where people are actually doing deals. Uh, and so if people are afraid of inflation, they're going to demand a higher interest rate. You can't force somebody to lend money at a low interest rate if they think they're they're going to lose money on the deal. Right. And uh, so people just won't do it. So the Fed can try. They, they can try to manipulate interest rates. But in an inflationary environment, they will lose. So explain again exactly what the Fed controls short term interest rates, meaning what the what the banks, uh, their interest rate when they borrow from the Fed. Well, yeah, they, ha they have something called the Fed funds rate, uh -huh. which is the rate at which they will lend to banks who need money. Okay. And that becomes the benchmark for short-term interest rates. For everybody, everybody else who's lending or borrowing money for a day or a week or a month, that's the rate that they look at. Fed can control that completely because they can... Just uh, further out on the, um, the yield curve, which is the, the time that's involved in, in loans. In other words, is it a six-month loan or a two-year loan or a 30-year loan? Mm -hmm. um, more market-driven because those are, that, that, that's where people are doing actual deals that have to, be, um, have to be favorable for both parties. And if interest rates start to rise, or, or if inflation starts to rise, then the guys who are lending money for seven years or 10 years or 30 years, because imagine lending money for 30 years. Wow. When the value of the money you're getting back in, your, in the loan payments goes down year after year after year. You need a really high interest rate. Otherwise, why do it? Because you're just going to lose year after year after year. Um, so interest rates at the long end of the spectrum tend to go up when there's inflation. Uh, and that's the, the bond market at work. They used to call bond vigilantes. You know, the, those were people who were operating in the bond market and deciding what kind of an inter interest rate makes sense given the amount of inflation out there and setting interest rates according to that. So inflation went up, bond yields would go up and that would slow the economy. And so we used to have a bond market that did that. Um, for a long time now, we didn't, but now we kind of do again. Mm. You know, we're starting to see bond yields go up now. And if that continues, then then it just blows up the whole system, you know. And then, then, you know, as an individual, your job is to invest your money to take advantage of stuff like this or at least protect yourself from it, right? 
And that's not easy in this kind of a crazy world, but a few things historically have worked in times like mm -hmm. this. And that's why it's good for us to educate ourselves about what worked in the past, because we may need to go back to things like that in the future. And uh, you've mentioned gold and silver, and they're kind of at the, uh, they're, they're at the head of the list for sure. things you buy. Always, right. Spinning out of control. Yeah. yeah. Always. So, John Rubino, if you had like somebody just sent you a million dollars because you have a rich uncle in, in Yugoslavia you didn't even know about, you just didn't even know. And he just sent John, here, John, here's a million dollars. God love you. And, you know, what would you do with it? I mean, really, what would you do with it? Well, first and foremost, <laughs> overall, you want to be careful with it, right? <laughs> right. You know, I, I would probably go buy a Tesla pickup truck. Or something, would you but, really? Uh, <laughs> <laughs> I have trouble with found money. You're you brave, know, that's, that's John. That, these things blow up a lot. I don't know about that. Uh, yeah, but it's, it's, it's a cool looking truck. <laughs> it would be a conversation starter. But um, No, really, you know, though, what would you do with it? What would you do with it? Well, okay, the, the category of would be things you know related investing is what i would do with that money um and i'd buy some gold and silver i would um prep to the extent that i haven't completely prepped yet in other words i would get ready for um for trouble by buying that generator mm -hmm. and uh, putting some food away and having a really good bug out bag and and a vehicle that would be safe if i need to get somewhere in a hurry and hard circumstances you know stuff like that um and beyond that, I would start to take some more chances financially. Mm -hmm. And one of the things that would make sense to do, if you like gold and silver, then the gold and silver mining stocks huh. would probably be attractive because they're basically just, they call themselves leveraged plays on the price of gold and silver. They will go down more if gold and silver go down, but they'll go up way more if gold and silver go up. Mm -hmm. um, so I would take a chunk of that money and try to multiply it by buying things that benefit from an inflationary spiral like mm. gold and silver miners. Mm -hmm. um, beyond that, would you I would buy, get a, even a little more risky. Would you, would you buy Bitcoin? Uh, you know, Bitcoin is kind of a tricky question because it's possible that it just goes through the roof yeah. in, in this yeah. kind of an environment. But it's a, it's a new asset class, cryptos, mm -hmm. the brand new. So we don't really know how they behave in a lot of different circumstances. And we don't know how governments are going to respond to them going up. You know, maybe China just made Bitcoin illegal, didn't stop it from going up. Yeah, but, but uh, you know, they're still one of the biggest Bitcoin holders in the world, these Chinese people. I mean, they, and they, don't, well, they don't, just like this country, they're not listening to the government. They're, they keep buying it, don't yeah. they? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, but, but it's possible there are other things governments could do. Hmm. If they see Bitcoin as a threat to their, their national fiat currencies, and so that, that's the thing that kind of worries me about cryptos is governments step in and say, listen, we're going to do whatever it takes. We're going to turn you all into criminals and we're going to prosecute you. And I don't think that would work in the end. No, but I, I, don't I, I don't know what it would do to crypto prices while that worked itself out. So, you know, I, OK, let's say we buy some cryptos in our scenario. OK, but um, we do it with the idea that it's more like buying a tech stock than it is like buying gold or silver. So you're taking a big risk in um, in the hopes of a big return with cryptos, not buying something that will hold its value at today's purchasing power going right. forward, like with gold and silver. Um, now, the last thing I would do is start shorting things. You know, you know the movie Big Short. 
Yeah, I've seen it. It's dude, a great oh, movie. Listen, I've seen it about yeah, 12 yeah. times. This is my favorite movie ever. Yeah, me too. <laughs> it's like ever. <laughs> yeah. Well, see, that's coming again. There is another big short. What is it? Oh, what's it? What is well, that, that's the question. So if interest rates go up, because of inflation, what does that do to the different financial asset classes? If interest rates go uh, up, I think it would be they go down, right? I think it would be well, the, some things will go down, and bonds, by definition, go down if interest rates go up. Because all a bond is is something that it's a loan that pays you back currency right. over time. So it it goes down if the interest rate goes up. Mm -hmm. So you could short, say, a bond ETF. Ooh. Okay, so you could bet against the bond market, um, or you could do like the guys in the Big Short movie did. But you could bet against the housing market. You don't have to do it in in a as complex a way as they did. You could just uh, buy put options on home builders or banks or something like that. Hmm. But put options are basically just bets that that's it's going to go down, down, right? Yeah. Yeah, I would absolutely do that. And actually, I have already done that. I own put options on home builders and banks and, and uh, tech stocks, uh, which have not worked yet, but I still have hope that they will. Um, and let's see, what else would I do? And maybe just the general stock market. You could bet against the overall stock market, which is very clean and simple, it's super easy to do. And if the world gets really um, stressful and uncertain, Stocks are a fairly high risk investment and people are going to lose faith in risk. They won't want to take risks anymore. And so they're liable to go full on conservative, which is to say cash, mm -hmm. bonds, gold and silver and dump their stocks. Well, you, you could be betting against stocks and make a lot of money when that happens. It's but easy I, to I short to Dow, right? Risky stuff. Yeah, it's easy to short Very to Dow, easy. right? You can do it. It's exactly as easy as buying a stock. Yeah through your stockbroker. It's one mouse click and boom, you're done. So you can do that. Um, I mean, I wouldn't do that with a lot of that million dollars that I got from mm -hmm. my, my uncle, uncle in Lithuania, yeah. but I would do it with some. Yeah, you know, I would do it with some because those are high risk, but very high potential reward, reward bets. And if you have found money or you have a lot of other money for other reasons, um, taking some big bets like that is both fun and potentially really lucrative, you know? Like that's, if you had a lot of life, play money, right? A lot of play money. Yeah, it's life change. Yeah, yeah, because yeah. you, you don't want to take big risks with money that you need to put food on the table. Never, ever do that. Right. Um, and then, you know, one of the other things that kind of flows from this talk is that, okay, if the currency is going to go down in value, why don't I borrow a ton of money and then place bets with that money? And a lot of people have that idea, you know, they, they will um, borrow against their house, let's say, and then buy Bitcoin or stocks or gold and silver in the hope that the stuff they're buying goes up more than the cost of the debt that they're taking on. So they make that spread. Uh, very risky. Well, yeah, <laughs> yeah, that's a little leverage. Bets. Well, yeah, I would yeah, be so, on so Prozac if I did that. Home, but, yeah, <laughs> don't try yeah, this at but, home. You know, a lot of yeah. A lot of people kind of get seduced into it by the fact that the currency is going down in value, yeah. you know, which makes um, if, if somebody says buy gold and silver because that'll go up if uh, the dollar goes down. Well, the, the next logical place in that thought process is borrow dollars to buy gold. Then your, your loan is getting less onerous while the thing you bought with that loan is going up and you make, make it both ways. Um, you know, that would work. 
and that has worked a lot of times but but it's also very dangerous because mm -hmm. you could be wrong and then you've got this big loan to pay off and if you can't pay it off you lose everything you know and so so the the overriding strategy in a world like this is caution and safety and uh, you know there's there's a phrase now that people used to be um into return on assets now they should be all about return of assets. of assets. In other words, you want to own things that'll definitely be there when you need them. And that's why gold and silver have been so great for, what, 4,000 years now in yeah. history. Yeah. Every gigantic crisis that has ever happened, whether it was natural disaster or war or famine or whatever, um, gold and silver stayed valuable right through them. And they will again this time, probably. So that's that's the main place you want where you want to hide out, I would think. John Rabino is with us, Patrick Timponi. John, we're going to do a little break. Can you hang on there a second and sell yeah. a couple things? And then we'll uh, we'll just uh, rock and roll here. Patrick Timponi, OneRadioNetwork.com. If I can get my mouse to do what it's supposed to do, then then I can, I can do something. Boy, I tell you what. Um, <laughs> we have the uh, AquaCure uh, Browns Gas machine on sale. And it is, uh, use promo code one radio, one radio. And, uh, it's a, it's a great, great, uh, great technology that I think that you're gonna, you're gonna love if you, if you choose to get one. And it's a, t a terrific investment. I just gonna want to pull up a, let me pull up one thing here, here. Sorry, I had to do something. And, uh, but it's, it's just a wonderful technology. I think you'll like it. And it's use promo code one radio uh, 20 one radio 20 and um, it's uh, browns gas hydrogen it's just a, a terrific technology that's been around uh, oh i guess probably about 10 years or so uh, so much of it is done in china and in asia now they're using it for to help folks to recover from um you know what you, these strokes and things like that and it's a uh, you breathe the hydrogen Brown's gas, and you bubble it in the water, and you drink the water, and it's just pretty interesting, very interesting. You can go to uh, molecularhydrogeninstitute.com, molecularhydrogeninstitute.com, and you can read some of the uh, peer-reviewed studies on molecular hydrogen that'll just kind of knock your socks off what they're doing. Mostly, as I said, but there's plenty of also some things from the Mayo Clinic and things. They're using it for a lot of things. What we use it for is to help the body get stronger, healthier, and uh, an antioxidant. And it's just energy. It's a food. Hydrogen is a food. And you'll get you'll you'll just get younger, kids. You'll just get younger. You do. I've been breathing this uh, gas uh, for about two years now, and I love it. You get a little cannula. You walk around the house and put it in your you know, put it in your uh, whatever, a central location, and just rock and roll. Uh, it's use promo code 1RADIO20, 1RADIO20, for the AquaCure Browns Gas Machine on OneRadioNetwork.com. Ever thought about getting a sauna at home? Brian Clement, who heads up the Hippocrates Institute in Florida, talked about saunas here. Elke writes in for Brian Clements. Would Brian give us some tips on what supplements we would need to take if we do saunas several times a week to replenish lost minerals from sweating. Well, Dr. Rao, who you had on, is a colleague and a friend. We do often conferences together in Europe. 
And I agree. We have saunas here. I take a sauna, so you know this, no matter where I travel in the world, 365 days a year. I think it's mandatory. Really? 87%, listen closely, 87% more heavy metals and chemicals come out in an infrared. Well, no wonder we feel better when we take these saunas. We have the Relax Far Infrared Sauna we've talked about on sale. Well, we have it on sale kind of every day. That uh, commercial is a little bit uh, ancient. But do we have a, the best price possible on the Relax Far Infrared Sauna? And uh, it's twelve ninety five, and that's in the lower 48. Lower 48 only. For those of you in Petaluma, that doesn't mean Alaska or Hawaii. But we ship them all over the world. We shipped a couple of saunas to uh, Ireland uh, last week. Yeah, we did that. And these are great. Low EMFs. uh, They'll get you hot. And now the work that we're seeing with uh, Lanka and Cowan, that all the cells in the body are nothing like we've, we've been told. I'm shocked. I'm just shocked. And they're mostly this... uh, this gel material that uh, Gerald Pollard talked about, the fourth phase of water. Now we're seeing how clearly how disease works, where this gel-like material gets uh, toxic from toxic thoughts, from poisons, from chemicals, from GMOs, and all the rest of it. And then this gel is actually toxic. This is how it works now. And then this is why Hippocrates said, if I can induce a fever... I can get rid of any disease is because the heat, this is so cool, the heat from the fever which the body produces to get you well, so don't try to get rid of your fever, it was there for a reason, just opposite of what they tell you, is it melts the gel and and then you detoxify and then you get well. Whoa. So that's why saunas have been used since the beginning of time back to Roman days. They knew it. They didn't know exactly why, but they knew it. Uh, and the, uh, <clears throat> you know, the Indians with their sweat lodges and the saunas. Uh, so this is a really cool thing. You could do a sauna every day and you're just going to get healthier and stay stronger because you'll be detoxifying ongoing. And when the flu comes around, which is not really a flu because you don't catch it because, you know, that's all made up. But uh, don't get me started there but the flus are detoxification. You won't have to detox when everybody else is because you're already doing it every day with the sauna. Email me to get the price, patrick at oneradionetwork.com. Patrick at oneradionetwork.com. The Relax Far Infrared Sauna. Yeah, man, I tell you what, it's just amazing what's going on here. Know the Source on One Radio Network. We're talking with a nice guy, good fellow. He knows his stuff. It is John Rabino of DollarCollapse.com. What do folks have on your, see on your website when they go visit there, John? What do they find? Hey, Patrick. Well, um, it, it's a continuously updated site that covers the stuff we talked about uh-huh. today so far. So, um, And there's a um, join our email list button. Click on that, put your email address in there, and I'll send you whatever I write. For free. Oh, cool. Well, good for you. Nice, nice. So, is this the big one? I mean, they've been talking about the big one, the crashaholics and the collapsitarians, ever since I've been studying this stuff for 30 years. Is this the big one, John? Well, 
Yeah, you're right. That this it? has been going on for a really long time. Yeah, well, the numbers keep getting bigger and bigger. In other words, we take on more and more debt. Right. It seems like it's it just can't go on. I actually thought um, the housing bust and the Great Recession would be the end of the the fiat currency, fractional mm. reserve banking. In other words, the, the current world financial system. Yeah, I didn't think we could go beyond that. And we managed another 10 years of borrowing huge amounts of money and, and creating more and more exotic risk out there. So the fact that um, we've gone 10 years beyond what any reasonable analysis said we should have been able to go means that there's no way to say when it ends. You know, you can't know if this is the end because we're in uncharted territory. We're doing things we shouldn't be able to do that we've never done before. Uh, but I, I think it's completely possible that when things blow up this time, it'll be too big to fix. And uh, then what happens? You know, what happens after that is, yeah, then so what happens? The question. <laughs> what happens and how do you get through it? Because um, yeah. it, it could be, well, the, the, the happy scenario, and there are no happy scenarios, but the least horrible scenario <laughs> is um, something called a monetary reset, yeah. where we just say, all right, look, this didn't work. From now on, starting on Monday morning, dollar is just going to be a one ten thousandth of an ounce of gold um and everything's going to be renegotiated on those terms going forward uh and that would that would work that would tie the hands of the government keep them from being able to just create huge amounts of new money but it would impoverish everybody who trusted the government because the government you know by doing that monetary reset is devaluing your money so if you have a big bank account it becomes worth one fourth what it was before if you've got cash under the mattress one boom. fourth of what it used boom. to be worth yeah just boom so and and which means bread is twelve dollars a loaf and eggs are nine dollars a dozen and, and on and on gas is twenty five dollars a gallon um so you have this big burst of inflation which impoverishes a lot of people but then you go forward in pretty good shape highly unlikely that we'll do that because it's rational for today's but, world, but, so more than likely, and plus too, you have all this debt, and you have you have all these uh, uh, these uh, these funds invested in 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 bonds. What are these? Uh, um, you know, when you have a union and they have all these retirement, what do they call them? Um, you know what I mean? Pension funds. Pensions. Yeah, all this stuff. You'd have to deal with thirty trillion dollars in debt if you went to a fractional dollar like you say one ten thousandth or point zero 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 whatever they did they could do a digital dollar right and do it point seven 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 ounces of gold or whatever they do but then how do you deal with all that debt john rubino well a, a lot of that debt just can't be managed and people go bankrupt oh, a lot of it is that'd be ugly worth a lot less you know, that'd be ugly it would be horrible yeah but see we're, we're at the point where there's no there's no pain-free solution so there's just <laughs> choices of crises you know and uh Jeez. just getting it over with would be the best way to do it i know what whenever you're uh, whenever you've gone too far in your life in any way you just got to get over turkey is the yeah. way to get out of it yeah you can't just yeah. be, because and, and that's what we would have because you know you and i know i mean i'm not smart you're a smart guy but i'm not to start sharpest tool in the shed but i know that someday it's going to happen it's got to so what what you're saying you got to do it you might as well do it now because it's gonna it's gonna crash and burn well, someday right it, I, i'm saying it would be better if we just got it over with but i, I don't think we will no no they're not gonna do it. and um i i think we'll we'll draw this out and until the market 
forces us to do it. In other words, till everything just starts falling apart. You know, the, and what, uh, what would that look like when you say falling apart? What, what would that look like? Give us some ideas of some of the, the asset classes that would just go up and down. Well, um, using the 1970s as our model mm -hmm. and turbocharging it, yeah. uh, say interest rates would go up, inflation would go up. In other words, the dollar would start to fall because nobody trusts it anymore. Uh -huh. That makes interest rates go up. Mm -hmm. That bankrupts everybody that depends on low interest rates, which is you know half the world right now. They start failing. They stiff their creditors, who then fail, and so on. You know the dominoes just keep falling um, until vast majority of people in the world have been impacted in some really negative way by this whole thing. Either they lost their job, wow. or their uh, their investments aren't worth enough anymore. And then you get, of course, civil unrest, right? Because people hit the streets when stuff like that happens. Oh, by the way, uh, it's important to uh, to understand that this is different in different parts of the world. Um, in the U.S., we, we don't spend a huge amount of our paycheck on um, food and shelter normally. Hmm. But if you go to someplace like Brazil or uh, a big part of the Middle East, most people spend money on the basic necessities of life. So when they go up in price, which is happening around the world because food is getting more expensive and gas is more expensive, um, that isn't just an inconvenience for them. That's life-threatening. And historically, they tend to hit the streets and demand that the government fix yeah, it. they do. If the government can't fix it, they overthrow the government, replace those guys with somebody else who promises to fix it. Nobody can fix it, though. Uh, so you get geopolitical turmoil at the same time you're having economic problems. And uh, when a big part of the world is on fire like that, it's really hard for anything else to work because that's that's where a lot of our supply chains run through, <laughs> you know, the developed mm -hmm. world, right. the developing world. Yeah. And so if, uh, you know, the food that Brazil produces or that Chile produces or copper from those guys or whatever is no longer available, then we suffer. But it's kind of a, a second level effect. Those guys um, are descending to chaos and we see our prices go up and our store shelves get emptier. So it's not nearly as bad for us as it will be for a big part of the world, but it's still bad. You know, it's going to be bad wherever you look. And again, no way out of it. Are you making an argument uh, for buying gold and silver coins and uh, getting a garden and just, uh, you know, <laughs> stocking yes. up, stocking yeah. up? You yeah. Know? I mean, the, the more self-sufficient you are yeah. in that kind of a world, well, the better off you are. You know, sure. you can just if you're um, if you're growing your own food and you've got real money. Yeah. Um, and um, in the quantities that allow you to be laid off from work but still survive, then a lot of the trouble that I'm talking about just kind of passes right over you. Yeah. On the other hand, if you're living in downtown Los Angeles and uh, you don't have much food to begin with and your job um, is, you know, you're living paycheck to paycheck on a job that is threatened by what's going on, mm -hmm. um, your life is in danger, right? So it, it really depends on where you are, what your circumstances are, and how you've prepared for this, how horrible it is. Um, it could be, you know, a drag or it could be existentially threatening. Existential. It just depends on how you prepare. So, yeah, it's, it's an existential crisis for a lot of people when something happens. I, I want to be in downtown San Francisco or Los Angeles or New York in the next decade just because that's such a a high stress place with really limited um opportunities for being self-sufficient yes sir so much better to be where you are 
than where, um, you know, where a lot of people, where most people are now yeah. in, in urban areas, yeah. where, which aren't going to get through this very well at all. I'm trying to figure out how to, you know, I've, I, you know, I have a wood stove, so if my electric goes out, right, I don't need heat, so I, can, I have a wood stove, and then I have rainwater collection, which is great, but if I don't have electricity, I can't get the water pump into the, you know, I can't get the water into the house. If I could just figure out how to get the water in the house, how would you do that without running the, without running the generator every time you needed water? Or could you do a generator on demand? Or do you, do you know oh, anything you, about, how would you, you do it? You could put solar panels on your roof. Yeah, I've Texas, got 25 right? panels on my roof today, but my batteries oh, died about, just get some more batteries, huh? Yeah, well, batteries get cheaper all the time. Yeah. Although probably not right this minute, you know, because they're probably getting more expensive lately with uh, all the, the supply shortages. But historically, batteries have gotten cheaper and cheaper as we got better and better at making them. So it's easier and easier, it has been, to set up some batteries so that, uh, you know, your solar panels ch charge the batteries in the daytime. You run your necessities off those batteries at night and mm. so on every yeah. day down yeah. there in that direct Texas sun. You know, you can you can do that. Yeah. So I would set up something like that. Yeah. You know, and, and your generator, get a dual fuel generator so that you have some propane and some gasoline there to run that. And uh, and then just hope the power outages only last a week instead of six months. Yeah. Um, and I guess you can charge up the batteries with the generator, too, right? If you had you like can if you have to. cloudy yeah. days, yeah. Last month, last you, year, as you probably know, we went through the great freeze freeze cropolypse here in Texas, mm -hmm. and we, you know, our 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 electricity was off off and on for about oh, two weeks. I mean, it was hardcore here, boy. It was. You know that that was scary for the rest of us because yeah. if even Texas, I know, can't manage the power grid then what you know what what's it going to be like in a badly run state you know because most states uh, don't really have a handful of, and a handful of well-run states yeah so worried when we saw you have that kind of trouble because uh, anybody can have it and i guess you could get small solar systems you know, like even five panels with a few batteries just to run your necessities right like the water pump or mm -hmm. or whatever yeah, well, I mean, I, I don't know how available solar panels are now, but if you'd installed anything like that over the last decade, uh, yeah, you've got stuff that uh, you've got power, at least certain amount of power that uh, can keep the meat in your freezer yeah. cold and keep you warm at night if necessary and um, give you something, you know, a light that you can read with at night and, and things like that. So you can get through it. But, you know, imagine not having anything like that, having no extra source of power when would you guys call it the freeze pop freeze pop okay, when that happens. <laughs> and, yeah it yeah because you know you goes out at the worst possible just how the universe works your power goes out in the middle of winter right or during the worst heat wave on record and see that's when you desperately need some power so yeah a generator or solar panels is right up there with the garden these days right up there and if you can you can do all that you should yeah my experience was that you know like you say uh, things pile on i ran out of propane during that time and the propane cups trucks couldn't get here because ice on the streets right because they don't want to run <laughs> so it was you know it was just you know it was a bermuda triangle you know 
It just all happened. Mm -hmm. to, you know, all the same. Usually does, right? Like that. Well, you know, and it, it, it's like that financially with gold and silver. Sure. By the way. There's a guy named Jim Rickard. who's a big star. Oh, I know Jim. Yeah. That okay. Yeah. And, and he, you know, he has a story he tells about how his clients always say to him, all right, tell me right before the crisis happens, and then I'll go out and buy a bunch of gold and silver. Right. And he says, you know, right before it happens, you won't be able to buy gold and won't silver. Won't be able to buy. It won't be any. Oh, it's, you know, it's like that with food and power, too. Yeah. Gold, silver, food. You're going to want You're going to need it, and you won't be able to get it. Won't be able to get it, yeah. Uh, we have a good friend of ours, and we promote them, and I've known him for about 25 years, called U.S. Coin Capital, and uh, they sell numismatics. Their number is 800 Eight seven eight two six four six eight hundred eight seven eight two six four six. Good people. Um, you know, you can get everything from St. Gaudens, right, to just what they call currency silver, right? Pre sixty four nickels or dimes, quarters, halves, and silver dollars. Are you? Do you like that, or, or do you? Do you ever get these um, bricks of, of silver and gold as well, or do you stick with numismatics? Well, I think that there are two different things with two different goals. If you're buying numismatics, in other words, rare coins, um, they have value because of what they're made of and because of their rarity. So you, you have to put a lot of thought into buying them. You have to have some expertise right. to know, you know which St. Gaudens will go up. And how much to spend and all that. Yeah. And you can make a lot of money doing that, but you need expertise. Now, the, the, the stuff that we're talking about where you just want real money, um, bullion is what that's for. In other words, um, gold and silver coins or bars that are valued strictly because of the metal content. That's it. Just they're the not metal. rare. Right. Yeah, they're just the metal. And so you you know what they're worth. It's it's fairly easy to buy them because you can look at what the price is out there um, of gold or silver, and then compare that to what the coin dealer wants to charge you for a, a one ounce coin. Sure. And then you kind of know how much of a, a spread. How much of a premium the guy's charging so you can you can get yourself the best deal possible by price shop and uh, most of the people in the um, you know the prepping sound money community say get as much metal for your dollar as possible don't worry about the details beyond that just get the cheapest silver coin that you can or the cheapest gold coin um, as long as it's the right quality you know pure gold or silver and don't worry about uh, you know where it's from or what year it was made or anything like that just buy the metal yeah that would be it I, I think numismatics are more long term right if you want to invest in some good st gaudens and all that to keep for five or ten years that'd be worth a lot of money if gold goes up well i, I mean if you choose them correctly yes yeah. you know yeah. if you're a, an expert on um coin valuation and you can pick one that's undervalued today that's going to go up because of its rarity in the future, then, then you have a chance to make really outsized returns. You make much more than if you just have gold and silver bullion. But it, that's some expertise. So you, you need to know what you're doing and be willing to put the time into it. So it's for a more limited audience than bullion is, which anybody can buy. Which are just uh, one ounce gold or silver from the mint or wherever you can get them, just yeah. bullion. Yeah, or or you can you can buy bars too. You can buy like a ten ounce bar of silver, silver, or or, or uh, I think I've got some hundred ounce bars, which oh. are big, heavy big. things, but kind of impressive looking. You know, it's a big, heavy chunk of silver. So you can do that too, and and you you pay less for each ounce of silver if you do it that way. It's like buying something at Costco. You know. Yeah. Um, 
So when is this when is this little redheaded stepchild Silver going to do something? We've been waiting for it to make some moves for for uh, ten years, twenty years, right? I mean, come you on. And me both. <laughs> <laughs> we can, Silver's story is so great huh. that that it should you know should be way higher than it is, and it eventually will be way higher than it is. But it hasn't happened yet, and it should have happened by now. So I don't have a good answer for why it's not fifty dollars an ounce right now because huh. it ought to be fifty dollars an ounce. Except that sometimes in finance, things don't do what they should in the short run, but eventually they, they go where they should go. Mm-hmm. You know, fundamentals win out. In other words. Mm-hmm. Silver's fundamentals are amazing because um, it's, it's an industrial metal on the one hand, where it's used in solar panels and electric cars, and there really isn't enough of it going forward to, um, to fully electrify the world. So. The demand for, from industrial users is going to push the price of silver up at some point, along with copper and zinc and nickel and the other industrial a monetary metal. And it goes up when people are worried about their money. Switch back to the that held up forever. Uh, they buy silver. So investment demand should be through the roof right now. And industrial demand is high and rising. Um, but it hasn't pushed the silver price up to its true value, which would be fifty bucks, a hundred bucks an ounce, something like that. You think but it I is? I still think that it yeah. will. It will. Oh, I think it will. We all, all us silver guys and think that it will be there someday, John. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And, and you know, we've we've all been wrong so far sure. about the yeah. um, you know the price action silver, but frequently, like I said, um, things don't always do what they should do in the short run, but eventually they do what they ought to do. Silver's, you know, it's now heading into the eventual part of this. I think it goes up pretty soon. So what about gold and what, what is it, 1780 today? Uh, where does that sit as far as, is it still a good buy? I mean, it's got to be a buy, right? Yeah. Gold, yeah. Well, okay, two things about gold and silver, really, is that um, if, if there's a financial crash, you know, they're liable to pull precious metals down too. They see those things fall in a crash in 2008. Um, and so leaving that aside, you know, if you can handle the risk of a really sharp V-shaped crash because the stock market goes down, mm-hmm. and yeah, gold is very undervalued. And uh, it, its true value is probably five to $10,000 an ounce versus wow. $1,700 really? today. Wow. And the way, the way they get that, the guys who run those numbers, is they say, okay, eventually we're going back on some kind of a gold standard. So what price would be necessary, what gold price would be necessary to back 40% of the dollars that are circulating in the world? Because that's how we used to do the gold standard. We, we backed 40% or so of our currency with gold and that maintained the price of the currency. So if we had to do that again with all the dollars that are out there, what price would we need for gold? Probably $50,000. Well, Jim Jim Rickards gets fifteen thousand. Oh, I think higher. he's. I don't think he's right, John. There's got to be forty trillion dollars out there. I mean, we don't even know how much anymore, right? Because they keep taking away the the charts to look at. So I bet there's thirty five trillion dollars, yeah. and we only have eight thousand tons. You do the math on that puppy, and you're at fifty grand, even forty percent. Well, Patrick, from from your lips to God's ears, <laughs> I'll take it if it goes to fifty. That would be awesome, but. Um, Five to ten would still be huge. Huh? It would still make you glad you 
went out and bought some. You know, you would be glad that you um, you protected yourself that way. But and that wouldn't be one for one or exchangeable. I mean, right? You're not talking about an idea where you could actually have a dollar and go somewhere and get an ounce of gold. That's not going to happen, right? A dollar. No, 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 not a dollar per ounce of gold, but you would go at some price. There would be a price that would be set. Oh, point zero zero, whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So a dollar would be one ten thousandth of an ounce of gold. So if you took ten grand I see. to a government office, they would give you an ounce of gold. I see. And uh, you see, that limits the government's ability to create more currency because then people will just turn in all their dollars to get gold, and that'll shrink the money supply. Yeah. So is that the general? So that's, is that the general mathematic number that the gold, the gold people use as one ten thousandth of an ounce? Is that? Well, no. That's that's if we went on a gold standard at gold valued at ten thousand dollars. I an see. Ounce, okay. So then we would be saying, in effect, that a dollar is one ten thousandth of an ounce of gold. So, but it could be one fiftieth, one fifty thousandth of an ounce. You know, using your your I price. See. Oh, see, I was so doing it the opposite. I was taking the money supply and then taking how much gold the Treasury allegedly has, and we don't even know, it's been so long. You know, I was using that, that, that calculation, but you're doing it the other way. You're saying you would price gold at a certain price and do it that way, right? Yeah, yeah. Uh, but it works the same way both ways. It's the same equation, just in different directions. But basically what you're saying is um, the dollar is now defined as, as this much gold, as a this. certain weight of gold, yeah, and which is what it used to be, you know, until 1971, sure. that's what the world's currencies sure. were. They were different names for weights of gold, you know, and, and we'll have to go back to that because the experiment we tried starting in 1971 failed. You know, we're, we're blowing up the world financially because our currencies are not linked to anything that limits the growth in their supply. And you're talking worldwide, nobody, baby, right? China, Russia, rubles, yeah. I don't care, right? Swiss francs. You know, Russia's actually, Russia's doing a pretty good job. I know. And, oh, Putin they're is. almost alone. Everybody <laughs> else is, yeah. Yeah, because Russia doesn't have much debt. Um, they are buying a lot of gold. So in effect, they're backing their currency with gold. Really? They have a lot of oil, and that also backs their currency. Uh, but, but yeah, you take them out of the equation and maybe take Switzerland out of the equation, and right. you can say everybody else in the world is screwing up in exactly the same way. <laughs> Um, which makes this unique because previous financial crises where countries screwed up their currency and had a big crisis and, and all the rest happened one country at a time in the past where one country would do it, but everybody else had sound money. They were all on the gold standard. Yeah. Now, the whole world basically is making this exact same mistake simultaneously. Because when it comes, the crisis that flows from this is going to be global and very, very complicated compared to past. Yeah. And then I think the Romans, they were at, at the end there, they were clipping the coins, right? <laughs> they were, they were uh, clipping the coins so it wasn't an ounce, right? Yeah, that's what they did. They, um, they would lower the silver bent of their coins one way or another yeah. so that their coins got less and less valuable. And finally, they had a hyperinflation where their coins just plunged in value and, and they had to try price controls. You know, they had death penalty price controls back then. Like if you um, if you tried to charge more than the government said you were allowed to charge for things, kill so they would kill you. That's, uh, <laughs> they, they would. They, you know, you would be executed for disobeying the government's huh. price controls, you know. And, and, 
you know, hopefully it doesn't get that far this time, but you never know what governments are going to do when they're, they're, their backs are against the wall and they, they feel themselves losing power. What about a blockchain digital dollar? Now, we know the Fed is going to come out with some kind of Fed coin, but what if the Treasury would come out with their own coin and then do that well, with they're gonna do that. gold? They're, they're intending to do that. Separate from but the Fed? The, Separate from the Fed? No, the, the Fed is going to do oh, it. Oh, the Fed's going to do it. Yeah. Now. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. yeah. Basically, what they're going to do is they're going to take the dollar yeah. and they're going to make it digital. They're going to give everybody an account at the Federal Reserve. Instead right. of your bank account, you will have an account at the Fed. Right. And um, the Fed will know everything you do. You know, So we will lose all financial privacy. Sure. And yeah. they'll be able to manipulate the money in order to manipulate our behavior. Like they can say, okay, the dollars in your account are going to lose 5% a month in value. So you have to go out and spend them right away right, to stimulate right, the economy. Right. So it's a horrible idea. Terrible, um, a terrible idea. Personal or if you don't get a vaccine, you don't get your coins this month, or, you know, God knows what they can do, John, you know, this whole show, they can do anything. All that stuff and more. Yeah. If, if you vote for the opposition in the next election, <laughs> well, yeah, That's any right. of that. If you vote possible. for this guy, yeah. no more coins for you. Yeah. yeah. Your bank account will evaporate. And who do you go to? When the government did that to you, who do you call to fix it, right? Because they are the police. Yeah, so, Man. yeah that's a, a that's very scary question. Very, very. But you know they're going to do it, John. I mean, they're, they're looking at it, right? They intend to do it. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. As their last ditch effort to control us when the system starts spinning out of control. Man. What about people that have their all their stash kind of in, in retirement accounts they're, they're in stocks, even, you know, um, if the stock market really took a hit, even good quality stocks that are theoretically not risky, they could get bounced on some deal like this, couldn't it? You could lose a lot. Oh, yeah. Well, somebody like Amazon has a business that is not risky. It's a successful business, but its stock price could go down by 50% and still be fairly valued by most measures of valuation. So their stock is at risk. They could go down in price dramatically. Right. And so, yeah, if, you got a, a, if your pension fund is totally loaded up on tech stocks, which a lot of them kind of are now, yeah. um, your pension can lose half its money. And then they can't pay you when the time comes and uh, you have to take a big cut. You know? So there's a, there are millions of teachers, firefighters, cops out there who think they have these really nice public sector pensions. Right. That do not. Wow. They don't really. You know, they're going to find out they get maybe half of what they thought they were going to get. So, you know, you talk about civil unrest. Until all the teachers, they only have half the money they thought they were going to have. Boy, it could get real you ugly. Very, uh, <laughs> but that's coming too because the money does not exist to satisfy the ones that we've put on it. It just doesn't. Well, John, this was fun. I mean, I hope we didn't scare people, but you know, you know, if we're creative, we'll be fine, right? Somehow. Yeah, the way to look at this, Patrick, is uh, focus on the gloom and doom. It's all the horrible stuff that's going to happen. But focus on, on what you can do for yourself and your family if you make the right decisions now, because you can, you know, you can actually make money throughout throughout this. Yeah. And protect yourself and see your family come out of it better than they went into it. And that should be the goal, and that's an optimistic goal. So it helps you psychologically to keep your eyes on that prize. And it appears we have a little bit of time to 
to get the food and the toilet paper and get ready because, but I think this winter, I'm the most positive guy in the world, John Rubino, but I think this winter could get a little uh, winter of discontent. Content. I feel it. I don't know, man. <laughs> I, definitely, I just yeah. feel it. Like I think these guys are up to no good and I don't trust them as far as I can throw them is what they're going to throw at us, you know? Because you know there's going to be another oh. variant, right? You know there is. After the Delta, there's going to be another one. They're going to just... Yeah, that's going to happen forever. So it's going to be a, a continuous battle between the you know the vaxxers and the uh, the vaccine hesitants out right, there, right. which is a very weird kind of civil war. Isn't it weird? It's, it's, yeah, that's a strange one. I wouldn't have predicted something like that. I know. You know, you want to hear quickly before we go what my prediction on what we're going to do? I really think that um, that there's about 150 million people, guys like you and I, than anti-vaxxers or the hard money people or the truth tellers that that don't watch TV, that we're just going to start our own country. I really think we're just going to, I do, I really think Texas and Florida is going to be the basis and we're just going to let these people, you guys just have a good time, just just watch Jeopardy, you'll be fine because we don't want to play anymore, right? We just don't want to play. Well, yeah, the whole secession thing is... Uh it is a, a very interesting part of this story. Because, I think so. Yeah, there, there are lots of states where really half the state says, good, you know, you country people go ahead and leave. And the other half, this yeah. half says, good, we want to get away from you, uh, you know, city fascists. And and uh, it could easily happen, like in the West and Washington. And some parts you know, would all get in a heartbeat. Uh, it, the, where with it. Yeah, I read today where uh, Governor Abbott, so can, they're actually, the sheriffs, are, they're forming a militia. The sheriffs in Texas are hiring people, militias, you know, just like the Constitution, Second Amendment, to, to uh, stop the people coming in from across the border because Washington is not doing it. They, we, got, we got militias going yeah. down there, baby. It's happening already, the Tenth Amendment thing, boy. Yeah, and so then when the militia and border patrol uh, are on the different side, different sides of an argument, yeah. Uh, yeah, lots of stuff like that is uh, is very possibly coming, and it could be this winter. Who knows? Yeah, who knows? All right, sir. Uh, th- thanks a lot. If you want to visit John, you can. You have a little place there, John, where people can put in their email, and they'll get you all your mm-hmm. stuff for free. And and uh, uh, it's called dollarcollapse.com. It's always fun talking to you. I really appreciate your big broad view it's i really appreciate you coming on the show thanks for taking the time thanks patrick enjoyed it take care of yourself now stay under the radar okay you too <laughs> okay bye-bye john rubino patrick timpone one radio network.com he's a cool guy huh yeah i like him i think we covered a lot of territory there so um you know batten the hatches and kind of think about things that he talked about there's a lot of things that we can do and we're doing them the best we can. Well, um, we're going to take the day off tomorrow because we can, and then we'll be back on Friday. Uh, there's plenty to talk about. We had a good show this morning. Uh, check it out. It's on our website. We're really talking about uh, how when we live a lie, whether it be uh, living the lie of the cosmology or the lie of the government or something, uh, we get uh, sick and we age and we then die in a more ungraceful and undignified uh, way. And I think our government, the out of Washington, I believe that this is what 
is going on, that they are imploding, in my own opinion, not John's opinion, but my opinion, they are imploding, and all we have to do is sit there and watch them implode, and they're just going to keep on doing dumb things. I don't think there's any way that they're going to change. And um, so um, I think they're just going to keep on doing it. So we're just going to have to start our own little place. And uh, I mean, President Trump is already uh, running out up the flagpole the idea of not to even vote in uh, 2020, if you can, uh, 2022 and 2024 to his 100 million people. He doesn't even want to get involved. He doesn't want his people to get involved. Interesting. Isn't that interesting why he would say that? Because he knows, in my opinion, he knows that they're not going to let him win in 2024. Everybody says, oh, he's going to run again. Yeah, well, he's not going to win. They're not going to let him. I mean, come on, they spent four years trying to get him out of office. You think they're going to let him win in 2024, these people? No way. So I think we're just going to start our own country and uh, we'll just do it. Okay, so I'll see you, uh, it's my opinion, uh, I'll see you on, on Friday, 10 o'clock, rock and roll, oneradionetwork.com. I appreciate it. Uh, thank you very much for your ongoing support. You take care of yourself, and may the blessings be. Take care. Bye. From the Hill Country in Texas, this is OneRadioNetwork.com. <laughs>